From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. It's a bit of a trick, hopefully a treat. Uh, just a lot of heavy stuff to kind of uh, slough off at the moment with. Ah, uh, yes. Hell yes, Mr. Robert. Thank you very much. It's me, Mike. Mike Davidson lives. It's the name of the podcast. Happy Halloween. If you're listening to this at 11.59 p.m. Tuesday or prior, if you're listening uh, November 1st onward, Merry Christmas, I guess. But uh, yeah, this is the Halloween episode. I said I would do this, uh, gather up some Halloween-related topics, and I'll get to those here in just a few moments. Do have a couple of uh, big-time deaths to uh, sadly pass on. R.I.P. Richard Mole, uh, better known as Bull from Night Court. Great show from the 80s into the early 90s. He was the bailiff. Uh, passed away at the age of 80 earlier this past week. Uh, and the, the the sad truth, the sad reality of that is uh, of that talented cast that included Harry Anderson and uh, Marky Post and Charles Robinson and a whole lot. Uh, only two remain from that with uh, Richard Mole's passing, uh, Marshall uh, Warfield and John Larroquette. It's just sad. I mean, that's such a, that, that was something I would watch regularly as a kid. I don't think I was supposed to watch it regularly as a kid, but I found the show funny and uh, bold, a big part of that. Of course, he was also a cartoon voice artist, uh, voice actor. He did the voice of the, the Scorpion on uh, Spider-Man the Animated Series and was a tremendous Harvey Dent, Two-Face on Batman the Animated Series. Just a great, great Two-Face. Uh, Richard Mole no longer with us, dead at the age of 80. And uh, the big shocker, well, I mean, not so shocking. Um, uh, Matthew Perry, 54, found dead Saturday at his home, apparent drowning in his hot tub. And uh, the guy the guy was just troubled throughout his entire career. Big star uh, with hit sitcom Friends. It was on for 10 years. Uh, when it went off the air, I think in, God, 2004, he was like 34. Like, he was in his 30s. I had no idea he was that young uh, when the show was that big of a hit, but he was. And just uh, while on the show, deal, dealt with substance abuse. Uh, after the show, dealt with substance abuse near-death experience, and then um, he put out the controversial memoir, I think, uh, earlier this year or late uh, uh, late last year, I forget, but uh, that was the one where he had that little beef with Keanu Reeves. Um, but I uh, found an excerpt from that book, and, um, well, it wasn't necessarily an excerpt, but he was a, a, an interview, uh, an excerpt from an interview. Uh, talking with the New York Times back in April. Yeah, I guess it would have been earlier this year. Uh, said, nobody wanted to be famous more than me. Um, I was convinced it was the answer. I was 25, the second year of Friends, eight months into it. I realized the American dream is not making me happy, not filling the holes in my life. I couldn't get enough attention. Fame does not do what you think it's going to do. It was all a trick, end quote. I think he was just kind of fall, um, dealing with that um, pretty much from friends there on out. Uh, and, of course, condolences to his family uh, and his friends. 
Matthew Perry gone at the age of 54. Okay, so this is the Halloween episode. And, you know, you're finding stuff to talk about with Halloween. Uh, kind of tricky, kind of not. Uh, I mean, for instance, like the, the easy part, my kids are excited about it. Uh, they did pumpkins tonight. They're going trick-or-treating Tuesday. I took the day off Tuesday so I could take them trick-or-treating. Uh, yet Saturday, we went out to the uh, Fort Wayne Children's Zoo. They went out, got some candy. They do this thing every year. Uh, looked at the animals. They had a lot of fun. Earlier Sunday... Took them to, uh, was it Fantastic Con? It was a comic book convention here in Fort Wayne. People were dressed up. And, uh, you know, they got some freebies there, too. So, I mean, they're they're getting into the spirit of the last three months of the year where, you, as a kid, you just expect candy or food or presents. So, they're in it for the long haul. Uh, when I take them trick-or-treating this Tuesday night, they better be damn ready. They they got to be warm. They got to be dressed uh, with the jackets over their uh, costumes. I know they're excited to show off their costumes, but they got to be ready to go. I'm taking a day off to do this. Um, it's going to be cold as balls Tuesday night here in the Midwest. Temperatures getting down 30s and 20s, and there could be a little bit of the white stuff floating around, a little snow. They have to see what happens. Um, yeah, but it's, it's not uh, unheard of for a, a few snowflakes to hit a jack lantern. By the way, uh, with all the Halloween decorations we have up in the neighborhood, uh, one neighbor, very subtle, very sneaky, got out their Christmas lights, and they're up right now. The thing is, though, is it's, it's not like a Clark W. Griswold type of display. It's just like, you know, blue icicle lights going off, and I'm like... And it, it's not really obnoxious to really to the point where it would annoy me, uh, but I kind of get why they did it because if the weather's nice now, you don't want to be you know messing around with it when it's 25 uh, coming up later on in November. Uh, totally get that. Um, okay, so last podcast I talked about the the Ohio woman that identified as a vampire, and I said you know she identifies as a vampire. Yet she clearly uses a mirror, meaning that her makeup, her teeth, and everything on point. You know, the more I thought about it, it was a backhanded compliment, uh, not really much of a put down, but it, it's also kind of a stone cold truth. It's like, hey, look, great, you're into vampires, that's your thing, you're a fan, you, you, you knocked it out of the park with the way you did it, but. Let's face facts, you used a mirror. You could probably go out in the sunlight and not explode because chances are, you know, you're, you're not a ginger. You're, you're just a fan. Like, I'm a fan of football. I couldn't identify as a wide receiver or, or quarterback because I would get killed. Um, there's just limits to the human condition, and the limit for her is uh, she can't turn into a bat, and I don't think she can really get away with sucking blood. But, uh, good news, I might put this up on the, the Mike Davidson Facebook page. I might, I might as well do this. Uh, best cities for vampires. They, they ranked over 330, this, uh, this time waster of a survey, ranked uh, about 330 cities here in the United States. Uh, my hometown of Indianapolis, number 17 on the list. Way to go. And uh, Fort Wayne, where I currently live, just outside of 
number 72. Let me see if I can find like the top 10 here. Uh, New York's number one, Chicago, Columbus, Ohio. So, so she lived in Columbus, Ohio. She'd be all right if she was an actual vampire. Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Houston, Portland, Oregon, Madison, Wisconsin, Seattle, and for some odd reason, Omaha, Nebraska. That's your top 10 right there. I'll see if I can find up the link and try to get that up here just in time for Halloween. Um, yeah, I, I did uh, see some um, video from this past weekend, Saturday Night Live. I don't watch it because the show has not been funny in decades. Um, I, I tried to watch the opening cold open. Yeah, the opening cold open. Good one, Mike. Uh, where they had Joe Biden on or some actor playing him, and then Christopher Walken came on. And growing up, watching Saturday Night Live, if you had Christopher Walken host or make an appearance, usually pretty good. Uh, but the sad truth is, is the dude is getting up in years. He's a little older, not hitting the way it used to, and the writing on the show is just not as great. So I, I kind of, I had to turn it off. It was too cringy for me. It's not, it's not quite like, you know, when he would do the Continental. He actually had an ongoing skit on Saturday Night Live when he would appear at the Continental. That thing, freaking hilarious. Although, I will say this, SNL got it right with the ongoing uh, Screen Actors Guild strike. Uh, made mention of this a couple weeks ago, or not a couple weeks, a couple episodes back, uh, where uh, they were trying to get people, like uh, actors, actresses, and their families, not to wear movie-themed costumes, TV show costumes, superhero costumes, uh, because that's promoting uh, struck work. Uh, they did a send-up of Fran Drescher, who is the president of SAG. And, uh, yeah, they they got this one right because that was just a dumb thing to go after. And it's, uh, it's a wonder why no one's really taking this whole Hollywood strike stuff seriously. Uh, so while that's a struggling business... Um, Halloween is big business. Yeah, I, I made mention that, uh, yeah, I've got a neighbor here who's uh, got their Christmas lights up. And it used to be, you know, this was 10 or 15 years ago, you would see Christmas decorations up all over the place Labor Day. Now it's just kind of confined to the, to the garden center of Walmart. Like Meyer, Target, the, these stores kind of drag their feet now because Halloween has exploded as a big business. Uh, looking at some stats for the National Retail Federation, uh, $12.2 billion is expected to be spent alone this year on Halloween, uh, which is a record. It'll be a record uh, up from $10.6 billion last year. Uh, $4 billion will be spent on costumes and decor. Uh, $3.6 billion on candy. See, okay, this is where I'm kind of like scratching my head. All right, if four billion covers the decorations and the costumes, and uh, the three point six mil covers the candy, uh, where's the rest of the money going? Is it is it all in pumpkins? Is it well? No, pumpkins would be decor, wouldn't they? I'm not sure how they break this down, but uh, it, it is proof positive that even in a crappy economy that like we're experiencing right now, people do want to get out and have a good time. They do want to go out and party. They do want to have fun with their neighbors, and uh, th that's got me a little bit hopeful about the future here in these United States. Uh, a little bit. Uh, again, we, we can get into stuff next episode. <laughs> However, aside aside from that, um, wallets are being tightened because 
inflation is on the rise, and that is uh, no different for Halloween candy. Uh, for the second year in a row, U.S. shoppers are seeing double-digit infl double inflation in the candy aisle. Candy and gum prices are up an average 13% this month compared to last October, more than double the 6% increase in all grocery store prices. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's an increase. That, that's quite an increase. Um, and it makes you kind of wonder. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the candy companies, they, they already give out the fun size, bite size ones. I'm sure they're going to be looking for some ways to kind of cut corners to uh, get their product off the shelves. But at the same time, I mean, does that mean the quality in candy for this Halloween is going to go down? I mean, I, I guess the one way to find out is to go out with my kids Tuesday night and see what, uh, what's up in our neighborhood. Uh, but I, I tell you what, if anybody's using this chance to go, well, if other groceries are not experiencing as big an inflation, and uh, maybe we can give out apples, you deserve to get egged no matter what the price of eggs may be right now. You know, if, if times are tough, hand out the candy. And if you're not going to hand out the candy, you know, just turn off your damn porch lights and don't waste everybody's time. You know, you got to you gotta step up. You got to man up and make Halloween uh, great. You know what I mean? Uh, I, and according to another worthless study, um, <laughs> apparently I live in a pretty good state where it comes to being generous with Halloween candy. Um, Indiana is tied for first as the most generous state when it comes to trick-or-treaters. On average, um, the average Hoosier household will spend over, a little over 20 bucks on treats this year, according to um, Research Frontier and Casino.ca. Arkansas is the stingiest state, by the way. Uh, additionally, 84% of Hoosiers will welcome trick-or-treaters this year, so a little over uh, four out of every five houses will give out candy According to this survey, it seems a little high, but uh, just go with it. On average, just 62% of American households are willing to trick-or-treat. Now, I'm looking at the map here, and it's kind of interesting because Indiana, I think, is tied with Iowa and South Dakota as the best states to get candy in. Now, this, this is not a complete survey, mind you. I'm looking at this. Uh, Vermont, Tennessee... I'm kind of surprised about Tennessee, Wyoming, and Montana. No data available. Uh, Vermont is, yeah, it's kind of a remote place. I get that. Tennessee, I, I don't understand why that would be because there are some pretty big cities in Tennessee. Uh, Montana and Wyoming, yeah, there's like miles between individual mailboxes out in Wyoming. Uh, I can understand it. If, if a kid went out trick-or-treating, uh, by the time they got to the next house, it would be like Valentine's Day. They'd be getting little candy hearts. So in probably <laughs> more rural areas, uh, the concept of going out trick-or-treating is a little foreign to some of these youngins. Um, but yeah, so Indiana, pretty generous with the, the trick-or-treating and everything. Glad to see that. Okay, so candy corn. Uh, the most... I've got an opinion about candy corn. I don't hate it, but I've got an opinion about it. Uh, 
it's just it is that candy that everybody says is the worst. However, uh, each year, each fall season, thirty million pounds, thirty million pounds of candy corn are made, enough to circle the planet Earth five times, according to one company. Seventy-five million uh, was made. Um, in candy corn sales last year. Actually, no, $88.5 million. I'm looking at the wrong number here. Uh, compared to other uh, candies, like it's niche. You know, you're not in the same ballpark as like Reese's or Hershey's or any of the big time names. But uh, candy corn holds its own. And I've said this uh, about candy corn. It is the nickelback of candies. Some people absolutely hate it. Some people absolutely love it. Some people vocally say they hate it and secretly love it and eat it. Um, it's It's got a following. Now, I, when it comes to Nickelback, I kind of just shrug and go, meh, not my jam. I'm just, I'm not a big fan of the band. I wouldn't go out of my way to say they're the worst band ever, like a lot of hipsters have been doing for years. Uh, I enjoy candy corn, but it's, I don't understand why it in particular got uh, got the label of worst candy ever because circus peanuts are pretty bad. Um, the the peanut butter kisses are pretty bad. I mean, the, the, those are the ones that uh, basically makes uh, peanut butter into cement. Like, they just get stuck to your teeth, and every time you chew, you, you feel like you're going to pull a tooth right out of your gums. Peeps. I mean, that's more of a, an Easter thing, but God almighty, just thinking about putting one of those things in my mouth makes my gums hurt just thinking about it somehow candy corn got that rep i'm not sure why to me it's enjoyable but meh after i'm done i'm going to go for the hearse uh the uh the reese oh, not well i mean i could go for hershey's but i'm more of a reese cup guy I'm going for that every damn time um, but if if uh the girls do get candy corn in their bag this year i mean i'll i'll gladly Gladly take that off their hands because I'm old and fat. Now, not a lot of times do I agree with politicians and not a lot of times do I agree with liberal politicians, but this is a, a unique circumstance. Uh, New Jersey Governor Philip Murphy uh, calling out, uh, I guess, the superintendent and the higher-up eggheads at uh, a couple of school districts in New Jersey, Orange and Maplewood, uh, because this year they decided not to celebrate Halloween because they wanted to uh, celebrate diversity and inclusion. And by that, they wanted to exclude everybody. I think it's just one of those things where, like, well, we can't have offensive costumes. We can't have costumes because some of the students might be poor. We can't offend uh, the religious. We can't offend those who... Uh, uh, who just cry about everything. We just can't do it. It basically became kind of that episode of South Park with uh, Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh where they canceled everything about Christmas and had that uh, interpretive dance Philip Glass thing going. Yeah. Uh, the governor of New Jersey has called them out and said, yeah, this is bull. Well, he didn't say bull, but he said it was nonsense or ridiculous. I'll say it's bullshit um, because, yeah, growing up, Things got a little tight in my household, but uh, my parents still found the time for me and my siblings to get the plastic smocks and the plastic uh, masks and pretend that we're He-Man or uh, Rainbow Bright or whatever the hell 
and uh, go out in the, the cold and the dark for three and a half hours to go get our candy. Uh, because, damn it, candy, it's free when somebody else hands it out to you. You don't have to worry about uh, getting something at the store for us. It's just, okay, you got, you got something to snack on until Thanksgiving. Enjoy. Um, these, uh, these clowns who are just like, well, yeah, the poor kids won't like it. Uh, no, the poor kids look forward to it, and you took away the joy from that. And for anybody that's uh, being sanctimonious and crying about costumes, they need to understand that this is a holiday. I mean, unless somebody comes to school dressed as Hitler, who cares? Who gives a flying F? Um, but uh, the school district is getting called out on it, and I'm, uh, I'm loving it here. Really am. Okay, so what would Halloween be without those scolds? Those, uh, those people that just get uptight about everything everything in the book uh case in point uh, there is a scar activist uh, she her, this is an npr story so you know why this thing's a thing it's because npr your, your government funded npr uh she herself has a scar she was in a, a bad accident earlier in her life and uh, I guess it just got to the point where, like, she was sick and tired of people asking if it's part of a costume or not. And so she's going out of her way telling people not to have scars um, with their Halloween costumes because, you know, scars mean villain and I'm not a villain and everything. And looking at her, you can see the scar. But I also look at her and I go, she looks like a, a beautiful woman. She, she is attractive. It's just a noticeable scar. I don't think it takes away anything from her beauty. I do think that um, anybody that goes out of their way to break, you know, to put her down is a complete douchebag. But where she's getting it wrong is like, okay, if uh, if somebody's going to be a pirate, you know, pirates get into knife fights, the, the scar, the fake scar would accentuate that a little bit. Or if you're a zombie and your face is falling apart, you're going to you're going to do some stuff that would show some scarring, right? Hell, I've got on my left cheek, and every I see it every day. It reminds me of the dumb thing I did as a kid when I was five years old. I uh, thought the bathtub was a swimming pool, and I went face first into the faucet, and there's like a nice little nick on my left cheek. And every time I look at that, I'm like, man, I was a dumb kid. Uh. And, and okay, and maybe it's well, apples and oranges, but I'm not. I'm also not going. Well, if anybody wears a scar, they're making fun out of me. That's the wrong way to go. I think. I think it's a little overreach on her part. And I, I'm not really mad at her so much as I am NPR for giving her the platform. Although I'm a little more mad at the Cincinnati Inquirer for giving that woman who thinks uh, she's a vampire a platform because that was just a nonsense story if I ever saw one. Uh, but yeah, I, if somebody's got a fake scar on their, on their face, chances are they're not trying to make fun out of you. They're just, you know, pretending to be somebody else. That's what Halloween is. You pretend, you make believe, you have fun, you go out and enjoy yourself. Um, uh, here's a person that will not enjoy themselves. Um, this student, um, social activism from uh, George Washington <laughs> University. Uh, and it's funny that uh, she's at George Washington University and raging about one costume when, in fact, she's going to George Washington University 
she says clown costumes are inherently racist. And they have their, their roots 150 years ago. I guess there's like a, a tramp clown. And it was supposed to be a caricature of, uh, of uh, blacks leaving the South after the Civil War ended. And they had nowhere to go. And so the clown apparently is making... The, the concept of the clown is making fun out of them. So you don't necessarily have to have blackface. You just have to have big floppy shoes and a red nose to, to be racist. I find it very, very touchy. I don't think if anybody is dressing up as a clown for Halloween, if you're going as uh, Pennywise or the Joker, you're not you're not going out there because you're part of the clan. You're going out there because you're, you're playing a scary monster. You're playing a demonic clown. You're playing Batman's arch nemesis, okay? If anything, I mean, a lot of clowns use white makeup, and they a lot of clowns have red hair. If anything, you would think this would be racist toward gingers. You know what I mean? And uh, the fact that uh, Pennywise feeds off of souls from Stephen King's It, you would think that would be the problem. But no, we're uh, beating our heads against this. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably link this up, too. I've got a whole list of stuff I need to start linking up if I haven't already uh, for Halloween. Uh, but, okay, I, enough of the bitching about people that don't enjoy Halloween. Or are traumatized by Halloween. How about the Mombies of Connecticut? Uh, I got to get this linked up. Uh, they are a non-professional dance troupe of moms. They're not dancers. They dance, but they're not professional dancers. Uh, their age range, I, I just discovered them today. And this just seems uh, over-the-top fun. Um, their age range are like mid twenties. They're mid sixties. So they, this is a varied group of women. Uh, they get together. They dress up as zombies, and they choreograph their own little movements. And they do this to stuff like Michael Jackson's Thriller, uh, other songs. They go out. They have a blast. And uh, that to me, that to me is pretty damn cool, uh, because it's what it, it makes it even better is that it comes from a blue state where a lot of times people can get uptight about, oh, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. And yes, I know that there's enclaves in the South that are, you know, kind of like John Lithgow and Footloose. Understood. Uh, but they get the spirit completely, and, you know, they don't see it as offensive. They just go out and have fun. So, you know, yeah, I'll try to link something up with the Mombies uh, on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Now, I'm going to wrap it up with uh, kind of an ode uh, to Halloween, uh, the movie, 1978. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis uh, just won Best Supporting Actress for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once earlier this year uh, in her 60s. That's, uh, that's a nice way to cap off um, her, her acting career. She's still acting. She's still doing stuff. I mean, she's got a trophy to show for it, so that's good, but... Uh, she recently put out on social media her appreciation for the movie. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a long post. It was a genuine post. And she ended it with, it was the Boogeyman. And it, that movie, when it came out, 1978, was just blockbuster. It was a small independent film. 
uh, financed by you know a few people here and there, and it put John Carpenter on the map. It launched Jamie Lee Curtis's career, and it, it gave rise uh, to the horny teenage slasher film. Um, Michael Myers being the boogeyman, and these teens who like to smoke pot and you know and have sex in other people's houses, uh, being terrorized by this thing. Um, but you know, it, it's kind of funny, kind of looking back at that movie. Um, because I, I watched um, a documentary about how that was made, and uh, the producer behind the thing, he didn't want this thing to be gory. Alright, so he tells this kid, John Carpenter, hey, look, you can make the, you can put your name on this movie if you want. John Carpenter's Halloween is in, what it ended up being. You can do whatever you want with this, but cut down on the core because I want this thing to be shown everywhere. And so, what does John Carpenter do? He kind of does what Steven Spielberg did with Jaws. He makes it kind of an ode to Alfred Hitchcock in terms of lighting, in terms of framing shots, uh, and there's very little blood in this movie and i didn't realize it until i saw that documentary just because i was so when you see this movie as a youngin it does pull you and and scare the crap out of you and it's so well done uh even though it was a low budget movie and i'm kind of laughing about it um because uh, i saw all these little landmarks that are still out there like the original michael myers house uh, the hedge where he stood behind and stalked uh, Laurie Strode. Um, but they're not in Haddonfield, Illinois, because there's no Haddonfield. They're not in Illinois. This movie was shot in California in spring, late 70s, in the spring. And that's why you would see stuff like uh, dark green grass, the trees still having leaves, even though they would use fake leaves and scatter them all over the place. The trees and everything would still have them. That's why you would see mountains in Illinois. There was one shot. They did kind of a side-by-side -side of some storefronts uh, in the movie and um, where it is now. Where it is now, you could see the palm trees. You could clearly see the palm trees. So I went back and looked at it. They had to obscure the palm trees. You can still see a little bit of the palm tree. It hadn't filled Illinois in one shot. And it kind of... I don't want to say it ruins it, but it kind of, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Um, but the fact that they were able to get this thing off the ground with as little money as they did, and I think they shot it in 30 days, um, and just found an audience and scared the shit out of everybody, uh, and made it pretty much a Halloween tradition to watch every Halloween. Uh, that is the magic of movies, and, I, and God, I wish... Uh, the studios and the idiots and SAG would realize that because we could use a little creativity out there. But, uh, you know, not everything's doom and gloom. We got ghosts, we got goblins, we got candy, we got kids uh, to go out and have fun with this Halloween. My daughters and my son, looking forward to it especially. Uh, and I'll get back to the more heavier stuff next podcast. Until next time, happy Halloween. Merry Christmas. And stay fresh to you. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.